Welcome in then to the latest edition of Extra Time. Ali with me here in the studio. Ali, would you mind getting the questions? Oh, because sure. I, I don't you need my change of pace. Yeah, that'd be beautiful. Hey, hey. Thank you. Uh, well, Don yeah. is with us in Jules as well. This time last week, Don, of course, tried to cry out of Extra Time, saying to our <laughs> producer, it's been a very long day. Do I really have to stay for it? Did we see a similar sentiment today, Don? <laughs> No, I'm buzzing, but Jules had a little face on, didn't you? Yeah, you he did have a little face yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did, I did, I did know that. I didn't know that. No, no, just, yeah. just a little look. Oh, no, it's like, like when he hears the gabs on the show. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Don, Don, you shouted at me during the show today, and I went very nice. Wow. No, I'm only teasing, Dan, I'm only teasing. Well, it's all good. Suggesting I didn't like your answer, which was true. Yeah. <laughs> Don, I'm currently stuck in Malaga and I don't have enough money for the ferry back. Could you please send me £200? <laughs> yes, just tell me your details. I'll wire them across. Uh, this, goes, this goes back in case you don't know this story when uh, Don was in a rest area in England and he had to give someone £200 because they say they couldn't get the ferry back to Ireland. Ah. This is just Don. They They're, use their kids. They the use guy, their, yeah. if, if Jules doesn't know the story, they, this guy seeing me at South Mims petrol station and he brought his two girls out the car and he had the two girls crying, saying, we need 200 pound. Uh, my wallet's been stolen, my car keys, I've lost my car keys have been stolen. I need 200 quid, can you get me 200 quid? I looked at the girls, oh. I fell for it. Went to an ATM, Beautiful. give him 200 quid. Beautiful, there you are. What are you would doing, you, Would you have done now? the same, Jules? <laughs> Uh, yeah, of course, of course. I mean, I'm glad they can. They, they bought themselves some nice uh, trainers with the money they don't get them because we were clear enough for the ferry to go back to Ireland. But, but what, if, the what, if he, what if he was telling the truth? Yeah, uh, but and yeah. I didn't give them the money. I wouldn't have slept. Okay, well, but then you go and actually buy the train tickets oh, or I the see. ferry tickets. There then you go. You your tickets. Yeah. Where do you need the tickets to? Here you go. There you don't go. give well, them the money, Don. Hang on a minute. I'm in South Mims, which is on the M25. <laughs> And he had to get the ferry in Liverpool. You expect me to go all the way up to Liverpool to get him the ferry? You're you're making the point for me. <laughs> oh, man. Lemonade. Your case is not any better now, Don. Uh, okay. Uh, Jules, who would be a few of your top candidates to take over at PSG? Could someone like Thiago Motta, Thiago Motta be someone who could be in? He's done a good job at Bologna and knows the club very well. Yeah, I think Thiago is on the short list. I think there's people at the club who feel that the lack of experience, maybe as in experience in the sense of a being a manager of a, of a big club with a lot of pressure and not nothing to against Bologna and Spezia, for example, but at the, the kind of level above might be a bit of an issue. I would love someone like Marcel Gallardo, for example, who obviously played as was a PhD player, did so well with River in, in Argentina and and someone like that, I think, would be great too. But it, nothing can be worse than what we have right now. So I would take anyone, really. When you have Mbappe, bring back the old player manager. Fish bash oh. boss, job done. Wilfried. <laughs> Wilfried is dad. You know, his coach, coach is a bondi, just in the north of Paris. <laughs> Get it's his easy. old man in. Bim. Perfect. Get Jose in. Don, Get you... Jose in, just for the fun of it. Don, were you at Liverpool when Kenny was player manager? No, that was a bit before uh, your time. Uh, no, well, yes and no. Um, he was the manager, not the player manager. And then Kenny took over full time and then signed me. And then literally about four, four or five months later, he resigned after the 4-4 against Everton. So he never got actually to be my boss. Right. So then Graham Sunes took over. He was then the gaffer that played me. So yeah, so Kenny and Graham, love them. Player manager must be a weird 
weird kind of role. But you have to have a certain personality to do that. Yeah, most definitely. There's got to be no shortage of ego in order for you to be able to do that and actually write your name on the board and be proud of you writing your own name. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is it unwritten code of professionalism that if your teammate has a chance for a hat-trick for a penalty, the designated penalty taker gives away the chance like Haaland did for Gundogan Ali? Is it an unwritten code? Oh, yeah, unwritten rule. I don't, I don't think it's an unwritten code. It's no. a good gesture from, nice. from Erling Haaland, a, a very unselfish gesture, but I don't think there's a code between players that if somebody's on a hat-trick, you give them the penalty. Yes. That's not quite the case because it may be that that guy's not a very good penalty taker. You're not just gonna give him a penalty because you feel good for him, unless of course the score is out of control already, and then you say, yeah, sure, go ahead, have it. But I think it's result dependent, and it's also dependent upon who that person is, and whether that guy is actually a good guy in the locker room too. Yeah, if if, if he's a if he's a guy that you don't like all that much, right. he's not getting the ball from me. There you go. He's not taking the penalty. Jules, if this was Mbappe, would he have done the same? I, w I want to believe so, yeah, I think Ali is right, I think it's, 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 a, it's good to do that. We've seen, for example, also penalty takers who give the pen to someone who hasn't scored for a long time. Like they said, the teammate who plays up front with them or someone who's a big name but hasn't scored, a bit of a goal drought, who has signed to a new club but hasn't scored yet. You give him the pen because you know that if he's got chances to score, of course, and then that would be good for his form, for the club, for the team, etc, etc. So we've kind of seen those gestures before, being done before, the fact that Gundogan has never scored a hat-trick in his whole career before, maybe also was played played in Haaland's mind if he knew about it, but it was just to finish on that, Shearer was, Alan Shearer was on, on television today, tonight in, in England, and he said that it was a game <laughs> where, when he was at Newcastle, they were 7-0 up and he scored four already, and they got a pen. And someone who hadn't scored this season came over to him and said, do you mind if, do you mind if I take the pen and he tell him to F off? Yeah. And he scored his fifth one of the game. Yeah. So you, you know who that was, have, Jules? You know, do you know who that was? Like that. Shaka. Crazy man. Uh, Don, what would you have done in that situation? If I was Erlen Haaland? Yeah. I'd have given it to Gundogan. Oh. I would. No, of course, he's given 200 Listen, pounds away to random people. Well, exactly. Of course, he's given penalties. I'd have said, "There's the penalty, and there's 200 quid at the same time." <laughs> <laughs> he might not be there next season. Don, you know, we're going to miss him. He might not be there. So I thought it was a nice gesture. Didn't you tell me a story of a friend of yours who bought a television from a similar place? Uh, like, Jason McIntyre. Yeah, oh, I wasn't going to say his name, but you've said it now. <laughs> oh, <sorry. Yeah. laughs> Jason McIntyre got done, I think, at his services. Uh, similar sort of story, but the guy offered him a flat screen TV that he just so happened to have in the back of his van, and Jason gave him whatever the money was, £150. And Jason thought, well, do you know what? I've helped someone out. I've got a flat screen TV. He got it home, he opened it up, no remote control. Looked in the back of the flat screen, no wires, completely empty. <laughs> That's why you two are best mates, Don. There you are. See? What's, what's the name of the movie? What's your favourite movie called, Don? Dumb and Dumber? There it is. Hey. <laughs> uh, for Don, what do you think of Trent's resurgence since Liverpool changed their system and started playing him in the hybrid right-back role where he plays in midfield in possession. Is that the future for him? Definitely. And Jules was bang on. I've seen this, the same stat that Jules uh, saw before, I think, since July. He just He's number one at absolutely everything. 
And I know Stevie was a little bit down when we were on the show a couple of weeks ago when he played, I think, his second game, the game after the Arsenal game. I can't remember who it was. Uh, and he was outstanding. And he was man of the match. I thought it was brilliant. And Stevie went, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just against one of the, the lower sides in the Premier right. League. But now he's done it for a good six or seven games. Don, I think it has to be the future, Dan. Why don't they just get a proper right back and then have midfield and then you don't even have the concerns of him having to defend? Well, there you go. So you could you could play Joe Gomez at right back if you didn't want to buy one. You and get then, a decent one. Well, and then you put Trent into midfield that might just save you, I don't know, 70 million quid by trying to find a Trent. Yeah. Does that make sense to you, Jules? Yeah, I mean, we had a discussion with Gav on one of the shows. Oh, no. I, See, that's, you started I, bad. No, no, in the sense, <laughs> no we, we disagreed, by the way. I, I don't know. I, I, if, you, if you want to press and press high and play with the kind of intensity that Klopp wants from his midfielders, I'm not sure having Trent there helps you that much because I think he will still have to play quite deep almost next to Fabinho like he does now and he's not going to go and chase the ball and counter press and press and press the left back or the right back and of the opposition. I, that's why I think, because Klopp could do that, Klopp could have Gomez a right back now and play Trent in midfield, but then what you play, Fabinho, Trent, and then you need a third one, but you know that Trent, you're not going to ask him to go and press like crazy because that's not what you want him there for. So I don't know, but then Gab made a good point about Thiago Alcantara, who, so I'm not so sure. I think, I think the, the hybrid right back midfield is working and they will get better and better the more they do it. And that's why I think it will stay like that instead of having Trent moving completely to a, a midfielder role and not a right back role anymore at all. A, a discussion with Gab, you know what that is, right? A lecture. Well, yes, that's right. He talks, you listen. That's... Has Gab told you what to eat at your posh Italian restaurant yet, Don? No. Oh, he no. will. No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Don's going to the uh, San Siro. Oh, did you know yes, that? Yes, yeah, yeah, oh, apparently. Yeah, yeah, the... Is he? Well, it's my birthday the day no before, way, so I'm making a little bit of a trip of it. Oh, make a bit of a trip, taking the yes. taking Mrs. Hutchinson. Reservations to Nobu, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Oh, yes. There you go. Lovely. Posh. <laughs> How hey. did we hear this? Who told us? <laughs> Don's hoping for a freebie if he keeps telling everyone. <laughs> oh, not from there. Not from there. <laughs> okay. Wish. Uh, Jules, is Colin Moani really worth 100 million euros and should Bayern be spending that much on a player who only scored 13 Bundesliga goals? Yeah, I think the price is, is high, to be fair. And what I find weird, and I, I know he's having an amazing season, of course, even if, indeed, the number of goals in, in the league is maybe not as high as you would expect or want from someone at that price but let's not forget that he's got as many assists or even more assists I think he might have 15 in the Bundesliga or something so you clearly get a striker that can pretty do everything who's still very young with a big room for improvement as well but it feels like not long ago it was 60 million they wanted then 70 then 80 then 90 then 100 now what if they win the Pokal what is going to be worth 120 now if he scores two goals in the final against Leipzig yeah. I don't know I, I, I do think that 100 as much as I love him is a bit expensive for someone who's let's not forget I know we say every time but was a very late bloomer in his career so all of this is still very new to him it's not like an Mbappe who's been a first team player very important player since he was 17 for example so he had to work really hard going the lower divisions to make it as a pro in the first team so 100 million feels, it feels a lot, I have to say. 
I'm still holding on to the hope that I'm a late bloomer. Yeah. Starting to dwindle. <laughs> what, <laughs> what are you going to bloom into? <laughs> a, a super striker dominating the world. <laughs> oh, it's going to be really late. Of course, very much We so. are really late. Uh, Jules O'Donnell will say thank you very much, but we will extend this extra time a little bit longer because we have a special guest now uh, joining us from Seville, which, of course, played host to the Copa del Rey final today. Uh, Real Madrid oh, beating yeah. Osasuna by two goals to one. Since should we talk about your attire today? <laughs> well, you, if you'd like to, I mean, it, it's not very exciting for the viewers, but if you really want to, we can. I'm just, I'm just standing here beaming at the fact that you just called me a special guest. Well, <laughs> yes, special has all sorts of connotations. <laughs> uh, Sid, looking at it, yes. obviously you had a shirt and tie prepared for this, and what happened? <laughs> Uh, I was on my way down to Seville when uh, when a message flashed up on my phone. It said, that shirt and jacket that are hanging up by the front door, yes. are you supposed to be taking them with you? <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so someone lent me a shirt. Uh, finest Italian Freds lent to me by... Uh, by the, by the correspondent in Madrid of Gazeta del Sport, Filippo Ricci. So oh, there you go. Filippo Leonard. Oh, beautiful. There you are, sis. Yeah. Should we talk about the game? Probably the best shot I've ever worn. Should we just talk about your attire? What, what sort of jeans are you wearing today? Um, uh, Sid, Real Madrid... Oh, no, they're just normal jeans. Uh, Real Madrid, just a machine, really, in these finals. Yeah, and, and, and have that ability, don't they, to, to withstand the pressure and to find a moment and, and for that moment to be sufficient for them to win the game. I, I thought the, if you look at the substitution that happens immediately before the second Real Madrid goal, that to me kind of sums this up. So you've got a moment when two substitutions are made at once. Osasuna put Chimi Avila on and Real Madrid put Rudiger on. And that says something to you. I think that says to you, this is Osasuna saying, let's go and get them. Let's go and have them. The momentum's good. We're getting there. We're making things happen. Let's get him on and make life difficult for them. And Madrid's, of course, is we've got to protect ourselves because they're coming at us. And within a minute of that substitution, basically those two players haven't been given time to pick up their positions properly on the pitch. Madrid go and score again. And, and this is what Arasate was saying. In fact, he said this earlier in the season in the league game. He said, you know, that moment when you think you're close to beating Real Madrid is actually the moment when you're closest to losing to them. And the phrase that he used tonight after the game was sometimes it feels like Real Madrid are conning you. You know, they're, they're kind of just waiting for the opportunity. Do you want to come to us? Great. Thanks very much. There goes Vinicius, who, by the way, I mean, throughout the game, but in particular the first half an hour tonight, I thought he was just absolutely outrageously good. Yeah, he was playing play it was PlayStation football from him, wasn't it, Sid? Just extraordinary. I mean, you've got that one in the first half where, where he let the ball run for his legs and just completely did up John Moncayola. And then he went and did it again in the second half, basically the same thing. And, you know, we, we talked about this pre-game, but the way that Osasuna had set up was partly about Vinicius. In fact, it was very definitely about Vinicius. John Moncayola playing at right back isn't a right back. He's a midfielder. The guy playing in front of him, Ruben Peña, in theory, at least, is a right back if, a, if an attacking one. So this was a kind of a double right back to try and control Vinicius. And it's like Vinicius looked at him and go, well, you're going to put two on me? Oh, I'll just beat two then. Mm. And he just tore into them for half an hour. It's true, and we, we discussed this pre-game, that there was then that moment where he kind of lost his head towards the end of the first half, which, as much as anything else, was really striking because it seemed so unnecessary. He was in a position where he was enjoying this so much. He was so much on top that it just seemed kind of bizarre that he allowed himself to, to, to kind of get into that mental state. But he just played brilliantly. And, and I think when he's at his very best... He's almost unstoppable. Picking all that ticker tape up mm. must be a right well, pain. Because it, it, yeah. it kind of all sticks in the grass. It, and you're trying to get it out. And it seems very inefficient and ineffective method that we're using there. I don't, well, what method would you want to use? Well, it's a vacuum. Well, you can't get a vacuum in the grass. Exactly. It gets all wet no, things. No, you, you can vacuum. 
You've got to get them. No, 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 no you use your, your home vacuum. Get your you, out. <laughs> you can't get the home vacuum, but there are vacuums for this sort of thing. I don't know, Ali. I don't think I'm, 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 Hey, I'm, I, it's, it's more effective than this thing that they're doing right now. Yeah, but then you've got the extension lead where you're going to plug it in. <laughs> Comes undone just as, just as you get into the center circle. Um, Sid, what was striking and what was really. There were two things I thought was really cool about today's game. One was the pre match atmosphere, the red against the white, kind of the Osasuna against Real Madrid, the establishment against a side that was still looking for their first ever trophy in La Liga. And then you had the end where you had the Real Madrid players with their kids, scenes that we've seen a lot of, but still it's so heartwarming to see that. Well, then they enjoyed it. And that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? You know, that. The it's true that the, some of the build-up to this game has been about whether Real Madrid need this game not so much for itself but to prepare for the Manchester City game, to go into that with the best state of mind and, and to, be, to be kind of, to basically wipe away the memory of the last three or four games when they really haven't played very well. But as Ancelotti kept insisting, and as I think as we saw post-game, no, you don't go into it because of that. You go into it because this is a Copa del Rey final. Mm. This is a cup. And by the way, Real Madrid haven't won very many Copa del Rey's. Now, I know that we bought out the stats at the start and they've won 19 of them. Do you know, they've lost 21 Copa del Rey finals before tonight. It's now 20 victories, of course. It's the only competition that they have lost as many finals as they've won. Here's another amazing stat for you, which just gives you an idea of kind of what the Copa del Rey has, has been for Real Madrid, how, how, how it's not really been a really central part of their history. Since the European Cup was founded, they've won more European Cups than Copa del Rey's. Wow. It's easier for them to win in Europe than it's been for them to win the Copa del Rey. And this, of course, is the first time they've won it since 2014, when, when Ancelotti was last here. And do you remember Ancelotti before the Chelsea game saying that, you know, if we win the Copa del Rey, we would have won in, I think at the time he said 16 or 17 months, obviously it's 18 or 19 now. He said we would have won in 18 or 19 months every trophy that was available to us. The two Super Cups, European and Spanish, the Spanish Copa del Rey with tonight, the Champions League, the league, and of course the Club World Cup. Ancelotti, the point he was making, of course, was I've won these things. Lots of clubs don't do this in a lifetime. And he's just gone and done it again. Why did people Richie have a spare shirt, Sid? <laughs> just because he's, he's, a, he's a, a wonderful, um, fashion-conscious Italian icon. I mean, that's basically mm. why. I also want to point out, but I'm not sure if Ali realised this, by the way, Dan, but when you said grass, it was the most West Country you've ever sounded. It was absolutely <laughs> magnificent. Grass, darling, yeah. is how yeah, we should I'm just pronounce saying. it. According yeah, to the grass, Kings. There you go, uh, the, the Kings. 1.30 in the morning, Sid. Nice, uh, hey. nice early finish for you. Do you, know, do you know what they said before the game? They said that the reason... They, they, they made up this excuse. They said the reason that this game was kicking off at 10 o'clock at night so late was because that the King of Spain had to get yes. back here from having been at the coronation of the King of England, right? Now, obviously, that's a, a sort of a nice little story to tell. So um, why was it 10 o'clock last year? <laughs> there wasn't any coronation then, as far as I'm aware. Oh, anyway, the God. real coronation, of course, is Carl Sid memory like an elephant. Who's <laughs> holding a grudge. <laughs> it's got to go to a game late. <laughs> you just oh. put me on the tractor and hey. I'll get all those things. What are you going to do tomorrow, sir? There's no football in Spain, is oh. there? Well, there's second division football, including, including the, the, the greatest team of all, Randall Viedo, yeah. so I'll, I'll be watching that. Oh, oh God, go and spend some time with Charlie and Clint. Maybe they don't want you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> go on, go on, watch some football. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, go on, oh, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> That's enough. Uh, we are done. Uh, Sid Lowe, uh, thank you very much. Much appreciated. Thanks for all your coverage today. Just a reminder, uh, ESPN FC back tomorrow for Real Madrid. Their focus will turn to Manchester City. I'm sure we'll be doing that as well. Plus, reflecting on Borussia Dortmund in action. Plus, Manchester United playing as well. Well, thank you very much for watching ESPN on YouTube. For more sports highlights and analysis, be sure to download the ESPN app. And for live streaming, premium content, and let's not forget as well, ESPN FC, seven days a week. Subscribe to ESPN+. Plus.